You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Coming to you from Podcast Detroit, it's Heard, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Heard is a collaboration between the Hungry Dudes, Nick Drinks, and the Detroit Optimist Society. Each week, we interview industry professionals about issues related to food, beverage, and hospitality. Please take a moment to subscribe to Heard through the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud, or however you subscribe to your podcasts. Write a review and let us know what you think. For additional content, including awesome videos and photos, visit HerdPodcast.com, like Heard Podcast on Facebook, and follow at Heard Podcast on Instagram. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoy this week's episode of Heard. Hello, friends, and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Nick is um, <laughs> He's knocking, everything. knocking down <laughs> curtains. He was the, the lights, the lighting was all messed up when we came in here. Well, it's actually fixed now, but you know, it was kind of this kind is of not a visual podcast. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, uh, yeah, it's true. I mean, the photos are visual. That's true. Yeah, yeah, and, and the photos will be easier to edit now. But so obviously, Nick is here. The handyman. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for all your hard work, Nick. Yeah. Uh, Vato is here. I am. Jason is here. Nick told me not to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> and not our uh, oh, and Randy's here. Hello. Uh, and our very special guest, the uh, creator um, and um, operator of the very popular Mighty in the Mitten Instagram account, uh, Mighty Quinn. Hi. Hi, Mighty. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Okay, guys. So we have some. Uh, seems like every week we're starting with the same story about Royal Oak businesses closing. <laughs> Something closed. Another Again. one. Yeah, another was, one bit the dust today. Well, here's the thing. So I was going to peel off the letters that said, but the parking, but I was going to say, can't blame parking, but I couldn't get them off. So here's the thing. So 526 Maine and Tequila Blue just announced this morning they're going to close, but they are right next to an oasis of parking. So like I was on the forum and was just like, I just want to get this out of the way. It's not because of parking. <laughs> I, I have a story about that. Nothing. Nothing. I, I have a story about them. I, I used to, um, as I mentioned before, write for Real Detroit Re- Weekly. And writing for Real, Real Detroit Weekly wasn't a choice. Uh, I didn't get to pick the places I wrote about. So when they bought an advertising package, they would get a quote-unquote food review, um, which was more or less an advertorial. Um, so I was sent to places – to kind of like pump up their food programs, essentially. Um, 526 and Tequila Blue is one of those places. Well, it's more Tequila Blue than 526. Tequila Blue is upstairs. 526 is downstairs, if I remember correctly. Um, when I went to Tequila Blue, uh, they weren't open at the time. They were um, – the, the place was closed. They didn't turn any lights on for me. Oh, nice. <laughs> the chef was incredibly annoyed that I even Showed up. asked <laughs> to, to – um, do this. How dare you, sir? Yeah. Um, he uh, put out some tacos that were uh, – they were mahi-mahi tacos that were not cooked properly. Um, purposefully, he told me. I didn't cook these, so don't eat them. Right. Um, Specifically for a good photo? Is that why? Uh, 
it was a shitty photo one way or the other. Um, okay. It wasn't going to, yeah, that cooking it properly wouldn't have made it any difference there. <laughs> to, um, to your point, though, I've been to a lot of places that they just put something out and they're like, this isn't for you to eat. This is for you to take a picture of. Bye. Yep. No, and that happened to me just recently. I did a big photo shoot for a big brand and they said, don't eat this. It's not cooked all the way. We wanted to make it look good. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and there's yeah. that strategy, too. Um, and then the, the beans on the plate were obviously just dumped out of a can. There's a bunch of issues with it. The issue I have as someone who is trying to seem at least journalistic at the time was that I have to write about the food. Right. Um, so I would go to my editors. I don't know who was my edit, who my editor was at the time. But um, this is that's one of two occasions where I just was like, can't do it. Right. I had the I same thing. Couldn't write about the food. Eh, not at that place. But and then you're just like, oh, I walked in. The place looks nice. The food looks like it could be okay. Yeah. What's the thought process there? What do you mean? I mean, so you're just wasting the food to save a couple extra seconds on cooking it? or I, don't I would understand. say it's even more valuable now. And I, I'm going to hate the words coming out of my mouth, but most people aren't going to read the article. They're going to look wow. at the photo and be like, that looks great. I'll go eat there. Well, the no, because yep. back back then, Joe can attest to this because I also were, you know did the food stuff for Real Detroit. Everything was in black and white. It did not look – I mean, there was no color. Oh right, yeah. yeah that's a, that's a whole nother issue. All right, so you're taking Pretty food, black and white food, food photos. Yeah, man, yeah. it's just not coming out. And finally, the web stuff started working out, and we, you know, Metromix and all that. You know, so yep. I got a lot more color. And but yeah, you overcook it. Like uh, I had one person overcook scallops, just to have that really like brown, you know, mm-hmm. you know, top to it. Yeah, that buttery brown top. And uh, he was like, no, this, <laughs> you do not want to eat this. this and, is- and I think this is a good point to like place to bring Mighty in here because of your Instagram account, right? <laughs> so everything that you post on your Instagram account, and then I, I we have, do this with the Hungry Dudes, is consumed. We eat all of it. Yeah, I, I, I feel here. like Okay. I'm the same way. Everything you see on my account is I've cooked it or I've gone to the place and I've consumed it. So it's it's completely real. It's not this. I'm taking the photo for Instagram. It's it's I'm actually eating this. You know. Yeah, and I could see from like your if anyone you know out there follows her, like she she'll post stories along with mm-hmm. the photos, and there's like you know maybe another additional eight to twelve courses dish. afterwards. <laughs> I mean, and people know when they follow me and they see my stories, they see I'm an active person. You know, they're always surprised to see me, and like they're like, oh my god, how do you eat so much? And I'm like, well, I I move a lot. You know, <laughs> I. I run a lot. I'm constantly on my feet. That's just my nature. So I have to eat more. I don't have to actually eat that much. But <laughs> <laughs> it's fun, right? Yes, it's yeah. fun. I mean, I, I seek pleasure in eating and I enjoy it. Yeah. So And they're great photos. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you're probably not rocking around with, like, a three-point lighting kit. I am not. Yeah. I am not. I just, I find it, like... You know, because I'm also taking the food, but I'm also the person behind cooking it, too. And I just look at the people and, you know, I've my boyfriend has experienced this where my friends have experienced this. My parents have experienced this where it's like, OK, you can't really eat it until I take a photo of it. And I try to do it like just very quick, you know, so like the food doesn't isn't compromised, like the temperature of the food. Although sometimes I think food tastes better cold, but that's another topic. But yeah, yeah, I mean. I, I don't carry a big camera. I know a lot of people that are like food bloggers that do it. They they carry a nice camera, nice lenses, and they'll take it really quick, and then they go home and edit later. But yeah, I just do it with my phone. Do you edit with your phone? I edit with my phone too. So do you take so my new thing because I get used to get yelled at uh, a lot for this is you know taking the picture, editing it, posting it. So what I'll do is I'll take the picture, then we'll all eat. 
Mm-hmm. And then I'll, you yeah. know, maybe in a lull, I'll start editing and then I'll <laughs> right. start posting. And like everyone's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm coming up with hashtags. Like, Someone else give me a hashtag here. <laughs> well, you're supposed to have all your hashtags written on your notes and uh-huh. then you just copy and paste uh-huh. your hashtags onto your Instagram Rookie. photo. I have Rookie. different hashtags depending yeah. on the I place have, I go. Well, that's why you have a group for like, this is for my coffee shops. This is for my travel. This is for my food. Wow, it's strategic. I it's, like it's that. It's very I, strategic. I do that uh, when I ha- when there's... When I'm shooting a course out, you know, at an event or something like that, mm-hmm. I'll I'll do the notes and I'll cop, copy and paste that. Um, but most of mine are, I mean, I only have a couple and they pop up right away as soon as I type in yeah. hashtag V and all of a sudden, I, oh, there's Vado photo. There's Vado. Hashtag yeah. T, the hungry, you know, yeah. so those all, all, those all uh, uh, are pretty easy to do, but I've done that both ways as well. But Yeah. So let's... Um, Segue away from that for a second and, and talk about the the good news. Couple of good articles that came out this week, international uh, and national. Yes. So, Motor City Gas was named one of the top distilleries in the U.S. by Travel and Leisure. Correct. Um, and then um, Black Star Farms, um, their riesling, their dry riesling, the 2017 uh, won Best Wine of 2000, 2018 during the uh, ninth the nineteenth annual uh, Canberra International Riesling Challenge in Australia. Correct. And the reason why I drug and or Randy here is because normally when he's doing audio for the TV show, he just gets to hear about this stuff, <laughs> and now we get to taste them Whoa. because we didn't have them on the TV show yesterday. So, oh, great! Yeah. But but you talked about both these. On the we show. talked about them, yeah, yeah. And I've had Belly Up Bourbon a bazillion times, but I haven't had a lot of Black Star Farms, so I'm excited to try this. So should we start with the Riesling then? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jason looked really Does, excited about. Well, that. I was thinking. I was like. <laughs> I believe Motor City Gas, this is their belly up bourbon, but I haven't tried it, but I believe they're also uh, behind the Stank Eye Rye or something like that. Yes. Are they? I think so. Okay, yeah. you might be right. This okay. is the kind of the everyday bourbon. Okay. Um, they do have some other uh, one-offs, but he was out when I popped in today. But um, so And they're not closing up and leaving, right? No, they're expanding. Who, he actually border city gas. I'm just kidding. Oh no, I'm just. They oh, have, Royal Oak. They're right. they're not on Main Street. They they're safe. They're Zero safe. Zero parking. They're not on Main Street. That's well, true. no, I take that That's back. True. He has like four spots. So. Oh yeah, he has. Yeah, he has very little parking. It's all street parking for him. No, yeah. he has a little teeny tiny lot next to it. Oh no, so I'm, but very little. Oh, like, yeah, 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 like four yeah. lot, four oh, spaces. Nobody's ever going to go there. So. <laughs> no, but you know, if you're drinking, everybody's doing Lyft or Uber anyway. Isn't that one of the locations that's trying to get food trucks? That is that is the location. Yeah, because the other one didn't qualify. No, well, he was the he was the one that pushed it. Yeah, there were, and every time there's an article, it's like Rich sitting in front of barrels. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. So stink eye, stink eye, stink eye rye, stink eye rye. I like stink eye rye. Stink. Yeah, stink would have been well a good stink. You can have good stinks, right? No stink. No. Oh, stank. Stink. Is that like a like a weed term? What? No. no. Is it? I don't know. I think is so. it is it organic? That's co- that was cocaine. That was cocaine. Okay. <laughs> I still want to. What episode was that? A couple ago, we were talking about no, we, the, yeah, but it was way early well, on on the you, TV show. We were talking about how rats um, were given cocaine or given alcohol, and within a ten day window, they were more susceptible to want cocaine. More people are addicted to sugar than cocaine. <laughs> Relevant. <laughs> I mean, co- sugar is more accessible than but cocaine, it's, but it's more addictive. Uh, I, I mean, what? For we're taking episode. we're taking quite the turn. So this riesling is lovely. <laughs> yeah. So Black Star Farms is up north in Michigan. Um, it is. Uh, they have multiple old Michigan rooms. Peninsula. They have a ton of tasting rooms. Yeah, and they also um, way to pass it down, Jason. What? 
Oh, I forgot there's like 27 people. <laughs> in the um, they are also uh, known. Uh, Black Star Farms has the uh, Lelanol Raclette uh, cave. Huh. They are an, so good. They are an OG yeah. distiller. Really, really. Oh, what you're pouring our guest last? No, I, I don't. There's too many people here. Like Jason said, <laughs> what Jason passed, said. Just pass the bottle. Really, <laughs> no, you should have done. done. You should have just passed the bottle. <laughs> okay, so uh, full disclosure: this is a 2016 bottle, so this isn't uh, the best in the world. Um, what was this, it? 17. 17 was the best in the world, but it might even be available. I ran into Holiday, grabbed the first bottle I saw, and ran out. Oh, okay. It was why about were, an 18 is, second interaction. Why were you running? Because I was running. I, I was in here tearing out light bulbs. Mm. Oh, suspect. It's good. It's not bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 I always wonder about these international awards that, like, how many Rieslings were entered in this competition? Well, it's Australia, so you'd right. think. I mean, probably my guess is it was blind, and they picked this you know Michigan wine, and they're just like, oh, crap. I'm, I'm curious what you're. <laughs> well, it's Australia, so that means it is very what? far away. So, like, don't you think if you're these, uh, like, three Australian judges are drinking this, and they're like, hey, this is really good, and they, like, turn it's around the bottle. if you're from New Zealand. No, but if you're from Michigan. I'm just trying to say, like, they, they probably, in their heart of hearts, wanted to pick an Australian Riesling, and all of a sudden, they're like, well, crap, we well, picked a they, Michigan one. Where they, the hell is Michigan? Can they pick an Ontario Riesling? They could pick whatever they want. That seems farther than Michigan. They could pick a Brooklyn Riesling. I'm just saying. I don't know. I don't understand this. Nebraska. That was our topic of a couple days ago. Oh, yeah, Nebraska, Nebraska Riesling. And yeah. then it popped up in both of our Facebooks. <laughs> What the hell is going on with that? And what was it? It was, it was pretty. We uh, talked about like. Sad, the, well, we talked article. about like nothing going on in Nebraska. Yeah. Like I drove through and like the whole state shut down at nine o'clock at night. <laughs> and like yes. the next day, they launched a uh, a campaign for tourism. Like yes. literally the day it after was, our podcast, it yeah, was be- on NPR <laughs> because they were voted like worst state to yeah. go to. Right. Yep. <laughs> Poor Nebraska. But literally, it was on NPR. Like the next morning, I was listening to All Things Considered or something like that, and it was like blah blah blah. And I'm like, what the hell? We just talked about this last night. <laughs> They were voted worst state to visit, and that was probably the. I don't most think they PR were voted. I think people just don't show up. And their, their PR thing was like uh, Nebraska, not uh, for everyone. It doesn't. You're uh, you're not going to get killed here. But 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 it's also like you know the that uh, I've never been to Nebraska. There's yeah, well, no need same. to go. Oh, have you been? <laughs> I've been. I've driven through it twice. And tell us the high points. Um. The high points was driving through the snow with summer tires and a bunch of big rigs. But other than that, there's nothing to do there. I mean, we got a hotel and ate at Applebee's because that's all they have. Hmm. Chicken wings. Poor Nebraska. If you ever travel with Joe and you stop at a chain restaurant, he starts like twitching. Oh, I, I get <laughs> yeah. I get all upset. Yeah, I, <laughs> and I I consider myself pretty resourceful mm-hmm. looking for restaurants. You know, I like hunt them down. But Nebraska has nothing. Oh, they have they totem poles. I like the chicken wings. They have totem poles. That's what they have. I want to bring some chicken wings. For they have corn. <laughs> Corn, corn, Huskers, right? Yeah, they are the corn Huskers. That's right. They used to be good in football a long yeah. time ago. This wine is quite tart. Mm-hmm. As the dry Riesling should be. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So, so that was the Riesling. Riesling. Let's get to the good stuff. Oh, let's get to the <laughs> Jason's like, give it to Jesus. me. Jesus. Jesus. Well, s- I need to know. He's sweating. <laughs> I have a hard time. That's from not breathing. We, we've made Jason drink so much wine on this podcast. <laughs> and I've beer. a lot. And cheese. No, and, we ate the cheese. <laughs> what was up with that Hennessy thing? That, I don't know. that cat shared on your Facebook page? I'm not sure. There was like a, it was like a Hennessy festival that got like shut down because of like violence. What? You're you're yeah. throwing me under the bus because I didn't actually read the article. I wow. just saw the picture. That said, <laughs> I just thought I saw the picture on the. T- I will look at it. Today. He's a mover. The shaker. Picture, isn't a time to read everything. That's not true. But the the 
the picture was unlimited honey, and I was like, "That's that says enough. That's that's all I need to know." Well, well, that that outcome was predetermined. Well, it also they like started at like three and ended at like midnight, and I'm Mm. just like, "That's like nine hours of drinking cognac." Pass, pass, pass. I mean, why not though? Yeah, you can drink in the shower. (laughs) Yeah, but I don't take a nine hour shower. I don't know what you guys do. (laughs) Anything is possible. Let's be clean. You say anything is possible? That's correct. <laughs> I don't see his lifestyle. So. <laughs> All right. So oh, everybody, Nick, got, everybody, everybody, Joe, Joe didn't pour for himself. Um, look at I got enough, Let's talk about what glasses. this is. Uh, did you look at this travel and leisure article? No, of course no, not. Okay. Just like just like Jason. Yeah. I looked so at the so they're ranked like 23 or 22 or 23. So near near the bottom. In the know. U.S. In the U.S. It's still a big deal. Yeah. Um, I've only been to this place. I mean, it's down the street from me. I've only been there once with you, in fact. Yeah. Nick. I've been, I've been there a couple of times. I haven't uh, seen the build out. What was their criteria? You got to speak. I don't know. Oh, he was saying, I, I don't know. He's shaking it. Joe was shaking No, I, I was like, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I was like, uh, <laughs> For those yeah, watch. I don't know what the criteria was. This is fine. Um, you know, I, I don't, again, the criteria would be helpful. and But their, their scope is pretty incredible. Like, the, 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 Building itself is great. Like the his Rick house is like the size of this podcast room. Yes, and he managed to crank out a lot of product. Yep. Mm-hmm. So he is incredibly resourceful. They do a lot of good stuff. They and take he chances. Is name Rich Lock- Lockwood. Lockwood. Yep. Um, old advertising guy. So he's like part of my blood. And um, yeah, just a just a good guy. They just uh, they purchased the bill or the the space next to them, so they're expanding. So I know he's hiring. There's a hiring thing that pops up in my Facebook feed every other day. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, this is good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the space is nice. I, th- I like the tasting bar area. And then they got the communal tables. You feel like you're like in the distillery. Yeah. A um, lot of selection. Yeah. 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 There's no uh, no age statement on here. So um, but it's probably pretty young, right? I would imagine. Yeah. They haven't been open that long. No. Yeah. Unless it's. Um, and they're only using their own stuff, right? Correct. Yeah. He didn't source anything. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's usually the giveaway when it says on the back, this is distilled and bottled by them in Royal Oak. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Usually it'll say Indiana or something else. Oh, right. buying it from somewhere. Yeah. So congrats to uh, Motor City Gas and to Black Star Farm. Yeah. Great. Great work, guys. Good start. Yeah. More importantly, what is going on with these? Are these dumplings in front of me? These mm-hmm. are like, they are. Oh, my God. Yeah, so we they talk- are dumplings. They're pho dumplings. <laughs> They're oh. fucking dumplings. <laughs> 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 they're they're dumplings with um essentially everything that you would get in pho. It's put into a dumpling and I pan seared it. I steam fried them is what it's technically called. And then I put a crepe nest on top on the bottom of it and then I flipped it out. And then I transported it here from Detroit where it continued to get soggy in my car. But, you know, it still tastes fucking awesome. So, I, I mean, I, I know uh, this is going to be like a little Forrest Gump reference here. But it uh, looks like the box of chocolates got a little uh, tapped into on one of the plates there. Yeah, yeah there's a, there was a hungry passenger with me. <laughs> Quality control. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, so these are essentially pho is a beef uh, broth and so there's beef in there and oxtail that's so we've got beef oxtail and then the traditional vietnamese herbs so that's cilantro cilantro 
Um, got some Thai basil. What's the difference between cilantro? cilantro yeah, I've never heard cilantro. of that one. Yeah. So cilantro looks like it's also called sawtooth herb, and it's very. Hmm, I don't know how to describe it. It's like cilantro on steroids. Yeah. So if you don't like cilantro, it's so weird though because people that don't like cilantro genetically because of that, you know, it's how they say it tastes like soap. They actually like culantro, which mm. I don't know why. But um, do you have to get culantro at a specialty place, or can you? Yeah, you do. You've got to go to the Vietnamese markets. Like I don't think one six eight has it even. I was gonna say it's big in uh, Mexican cuisine too. Yes, it is. You're right because Honeybee Market does have it. And I've seen Kim it Nam- there. So I'll go to Kim Young to yep, get it. Kim yeah, Kim Young, and then like Saigon, um, little Saigon Market will have yep. it. And there's the fast casual Peruvian restaurant in Ferndale called Culantro. Culantro, yep. exactly. Oh, yeah. Have you guys been to that yet? No. It's fantastic. Oh, I haven't been. Really? Yeah. All right. And, have you not been there? I have. You didn't like it? I was. Services. I was. I was yeah. whelmed. He's gonna say it's not for me. Yeah. My my favorite way to say I didn't I don't like things like no think of that I didn't think it was me. I didn't think it was bad I just wasn't like blown out of the way I mean it's fast casual right yeah right. I need to go back yes I um, need to go back yeah, absolutely that's yes. that's my opinion of it so you didn't say anything about the first time you went nope. so okay nope. there you I go. need to go back need to go back yeah, okay was, give it, it was, a second chance yeah the first or second week it was open and they were there there was obviously some issues so um, let's just say I'm hoping things have changed yeah that's it and that's that. <laughs> End of that. Okay. All right. Um, okay. So we need to get into this. Okay. Um, so let's do that. All right. So there's dumplings. Um, there's a crispy net on there. There's a dipping sauce here. Um, have at it. Try it without the dipping sauce. Then go ahead and dip it. Um, so yeah. Talk about the techniques that go into this. So you said something about a um, a crepe net. Yeah. So I mean, it's a dumpling wrapper. It's wrapped inside. Um, traditionally, I would do homemade dumpling wrappers, but for this case, you know, it was kind of like really quick. So I did use store bought, but you know, it doesn't matter if you use store bought or not. You can still do this outside crepe netting on it, and it's basically um, cornstarch and all-purpose flour mixed with some water. And um, as you like steam fry it, after it steam fries and pretty much cooked, then you'll put this like liquid in there, which is the all-purpose water cornstarch mix. Um, That's one way to do it. I've also done it with rice flour, and it creates this like net on it. Some people call it angel wings. Some people call it crepe. Some people call it a net, whatever. I call it a crepe. I call it delicious. Okay, cool. I'll take that. So yeah, um, pho, and then um, oh here I guess we should pass around the plates or you know dumplings you can no, go with I, your hands. It, yeah, I ate it really quick. Yeah. After the wine bottle comment, I figured we would just dive right in. Yeah. So th- this is something that isn't being done anywhere, and I've noticed with a lot of the uh, food that you make. Well, not I mean anywhere around here. Yeah, in okay. Detroit, probably. In Detroit. Okay. Um, and I don't want to make the comment like you know I don't know nationally yeah. what's happening internationally. I have no idea. You know, like. You know what's going on. Well, I know what's going on, but I'm saying I don't know, like in terms of pho dumplings, I have no idea. Um, But um, where did the inspiration for this come from? Well, so the marriage of um, Chinese dumplings and Vietnamese pho spices, because I'm a blend of both cultures. My dad's Chinese, my mom's Vietnamese. So I have that influence, luckily. So I can literally take the best parts of both cultures and blend them together. My parents hate that I do that, but <laughs> Wait, I, why do they I think that? it works. Why do they hate it? Because, you know, like the old generation is, they're purists. You know, they, they pho should just be pho. Bun me should just be bun me. Like you don't put cheese in bun me, but I think it tastes great with mm. cheese. What kind you know? of cheese? 
I've done it with cheddar. Okay. I've done it with raclette. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, everything's you know? better with raclette. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's great, you know? Um, if I had truffles, I would put truffles on bun me and it would be like a total high low dish, right? Right? But yeah, so I mean that yeah, that's where my inspiration comes from. A lot of it is like Vietnamese, Chinese, and then obviously I was born here, so my inspiration for like American cuisine has a lot to do with like, you know, hamburgers, hot dogs, because that's what I was raised on. So putting cheese on everything. Putting cheese on everything. You're right. <laughs> You know, ketchup um, and mustard. Ketchup. I love ketchup. I mean, but you know, the Vietnamese do have a tomato fried rice where we put ketchup in it. Hmm. So it it works. Japanese have their version too. I am not a fan of ketchup. No? Nope. At you know, all? you no. say that, but I, you know, I, that's my thing. People can say that they're not a fan of something until it's prepared for you in a way that if you just open your mind to it, then you're like, all right. Yeah, Joe. Open your mind. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, Japanese have a whole style of cooking that's like this amalgam of uh, all sorts of different like Americanized dishes and Italian dishes and like ketchup. And I can't think of the term right now, but ketchup is like the main ingredient for most of it. Oh, yeah. That that sounds... Awful. But, but it's ketchup. just a base. It's like a sauce base. Yeah, oh, yeah. and it's probably really good ketchup too. That's oh, yeah. probably the other thing. No, like no, it's it's high ones. fructose corn syrup, oh, like for yeah. sure. Okay. I mean, but it's really bright mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. red. But they do their version of tomato rice too, and we have our version too. I mean, we do it with our like shaken beef. It's called shaken beef, and literally, you take like you know a good cut of steak, sirloin, and put them in cut them in cubes, and like you shake the wok really quick, super hot, and you cook it for like two minutes, and that's it. You put it over I thought some you water shake crystal. the cow. No. You don't shake the cow. <laughs> you don't shake the cow. No. You treat the you brush the cow no. and you make the cow feel nice first. No. Yeah. What um, <laughs> doing it wrong? Do you have a special stove at home for getting a high high heat? Or no. are you doing any tricks? No, no tricks. Just I don't turn tricks. Crank it up. <laughs> I don't turn tricks. Oh, so that sounds like a different podcast. Because <laughs> that came up when we were talking to God, I can't remember his name when we were talking about wok cooking. Isaiah. Yeah. Sonju. Yeah. And he's just like, I don't walk cook at home because I can't get hot enough. <laughs> yeah, you can't. I don't walk cook at home. It's it, you, okay. it's right. You you can't get it hot enough. And I um I'm not buying a walk because I'm hoping to inherit my mom's walk. Oh. She's like, I can't leave you any money. I can leave you property and my walk. That's all you get. So I'm like, I'll take it. The walk is seasoned and like that's oh, yeah. okay. Oh yeah. Uh, I yep. mean twenty years now. So I, it's it's gonna be my walk. I, I but, don't walk cook. I have an electric uh, Stove top. So. Oh God. I know. Literally every place I've moved so many times before that every single place that I've lived in, the main criteria was it had to be a gas stove. <laughs> yep. Like I don't care. I don't need a washer and dryer. I need a gas stove. Yep. What? Yep. Yeah. Hundred percent. Literally, the first thing I look at, gas stove. How I do, have to have. How a gas do you stove. clean your clothes? I'll take it to a laundromat. <laughs> But I have to have a gas stove. <laughs> I would give up laundry machine for a gas stove. Yeah. Because so we weird. we looked at our house, the kitchen was like all stainless steel and a big old Thermador six burner. I'm like, yep, that's it. I don't care about the rest of the house. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I like it, but I, I like washing my clothes at home. I got to eat every day, multiple times a day. I can wear the same clothes multiple times. I can buy new underwear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sound like, so for those mind. of us who don't know the difference, <laughs> why is the gas grill so important? Ah. I just don't feel like electricity gets hot enough, mm. especially enough. for, yeah, quick enough also for the type of food that I want to make, which a lot of Asian cooking requires super high heat. Okay. 
So, I mean, a gas will provide that. And it's not uncommon to see most Asian families have a wok like outside, like a gas, separate gas, like that they cook their, their, um, they use a wok outside that they'll make stock out of outside. I mean, my parents do. Not even just for a wok cooking, but I mean, you can control the temperature on a gas stove in seconds Mm -hmm. versus, you know, electric. You cannot, you know, it takes a minute to get it to temperature you want. Then when you got to cool it down, now you got to go to another burner Mm -hmm. and and then you got to get that one going. Like you, you can't, you can't control it. You can move the your stuff, uh, you know, to the corner of your mm-hmm. burner and maybe get it that way and, uh, you know, to, to bring the temperature down and then bring it back over to bring it back up. But with the gas, you just turn it down, turn it up, turn it down. Electric is not doing you any favors. That's the problem. Right. And the my only complaint about gas is my stove is so hot, it is hard to simmer. So, yeah, I've gotten so used to cooking with gas at home. So when I do cook in a commercial kitchen with gas, I'm burning everything. So I have a plate that has like little dimples on it that I can put underneath because if I don't, my everything boils. Yeah. Well, part of part of you cooking at home, too, is that I mean, with every anywhere you cook, you're you get used to to your your Mm -hmm. stove, your oven, you're going to figure out what your hot points are, which color points are. And then you go somewhere else. And it's It's like different. Yeah. In culinary school, that was. One of the big things was like, listen, this is going to be like perfect. And when you leave here, you're going to find something really shitty and you're going to have to figure out how to make it work. And I mean, that's even just going home. And it's like, well, you got to learn where your hot points are on the oven, where you got to right. learn what your, you know, your better burner is on the top. I mean, for electric, it's like, yeah, I have to, I have a big burner. I have a small burner. I got to figure out which one's going to heat my water faster and just something like that. So with this strategy in mind, you know, lear- learning your stove is this is you're doing a um, a week at Mabel Gray. Yeah. Um, you're, you're taking over the kitchen. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Um, James reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to do a menu at Mabel, which is pretty cool. Um, that's incredible. Yeah. No, I'm trust me when he asked me, I was just like. And when she Who says James, she's to? talking about James Regato, who's the chef yeah. owner at, at Mabel, at Mabel Gray. Gray. Yeah. So. Search, search our hot dog episode. Yeah, the yeah. yeah, hot dogs for dogs. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. okay, so that's happening. Uh so that'll be November 20th, 21st, and I think, right? And then 21st, every day, so Tuesday, Wednesday, not Thursday, which is Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving yeah. and then Friday, Saturday. So, um, which the response has been pretty great. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, but he reached out, asked me if I wanted to do like a kind of like my own my own menu for the whole week. So, um, I wrote a menu. The first, I, I won't lie, the first menu I wrote, I thought was going to be the menu, but then I wrote it in July and I was thinking of all summer ingredients because that's what you're thinking about, what's in season. And then I realized, fuck, I got to write a menu for November. <laughs> I won't have corn. I don't have rhubarb. I mean, those aren't really, I mean, rhubarb's not really an Asian ingredient anyway, so <laughs> we'll just toss that one out. No, it didn't have to be Asian. It was just like whatever I wanted to make. And it is heavily an Asian-inspired menu. It is Vietnamese and Chinese. Um, you'll see these pho dumplings on there. Um, I was going to do it as like the, um, I don't know if you guys have heard of Shang Jun Bao, which is basically like those little bao buns that you get at dim sum, like super soft, fluffy white ones stuffed with the meat and like the juices come out. I wanted to do that originally, but it's just, you have to work within your means and it's like, we're not at, it's not a dim sum restaurant. So I can't ask the cooks to like steam and then fry at the same time because you, 
the thing about Chinese food is like there's just so many techniques going all at once that it really takes up a lot of time. So like one person can't be like frying something and steaming something at the same time. So but anyhow, I wrote this menu and I'm pretty excited to share it. Um, it'll be a lot of Vietnamese, a lot of Chinese, a lot of me at the same time. So there will be some heat. There will be some spices. It will be heavy on spices. So I just encourage everybody to be open-minded. Um, don't walk in going like, I like meat and potatoes. Uh, don't walk like, in. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Don't walk in, too, because you should probably make reservations. I mean, I don't think anybody walking into Mabel Gray will have those expectations no. anyway. That's, that's the nice true. Thing that, yeah. that is the nice thing. And that's what James said, too. He was just like, you know, it was nice. He gave me a guideline of, like he said, at first, do whatever you want. And I was just like, are you sure I can do whatever I want? He's like, whatever you want. And I'm like, he literally gave me free reign. And then afterwards, he kind of honed it in and was like, you know what? Let's, let's stop with the truffles. Let's this. pull back on that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's stop. No. I mean, it was, I mean, Asian cuisine is carb centric just because, you know, it's a working society and, you know, we don't, meat is, is considered a luxury. So a lot of it, a lot, oftentimes meat is used as an accent, not like the main entree dish. So you'll have noodles, you'll have like rice and all that. And you will see that. You'll see noodles on the menu. These are carbs, you know, and it's like, I'm sorry if you're doing a low carb diet today when you come in, you're going to accept and just let it go that you are going to eat carbs. And then tomorrow, just start up again. The only trick about that is, so again, I've, I've never designed a menu. If you were to sit there and say, okay, I'm going to put a couple meat dishes and a couple carb dishes, if you are coming there for this experience and you're like, I'm going to get one entree, you're probably going to lean toward the meat entree. Right. And there is that option for you. Okay. So we're doing a style of – so I did it based on like a broken rice dish called gum, gum thumb. And on that dish, it's like a working class meal, which is like, you know, Vietnamese are pork centric because – cows are kind of like in India how they are um, you know they're sacred so the cows in Vietnam are used to for rice patties and stuff so you don't really eat cow pork is easy to grow and so there's this dish where it's like a pork chop you have a egg quiche that's made with ground pork and then you've got um, an egg a fried egg and then you've got pork skin that literally is like if it's chicharron, our version is like shredded pork skin. And it's a very heavy dish, but it's meant for you to feel full so that way you can continue working throughout the day. And so I'm taking that idea mixed with bosom, which is Korean, and it's going to be a, a large pork chop. Um, James was saying that we're going to put on like an, a pretty good like A5 Wagyu steak. And uh, we're going to mix that with like I'm going to serve it with rice. And then a Vietnamese pickle, which is mustard green pickles, as well as like a kimchi, radish, and cucumber. And yeah, that's that's going to be your meat dish. But then we were talking about the menu, and he said that he wanted to do something really fun and add on like something like, I don't know if you guys have been to Doug's recently mm -hmm. this past summer, and they have their His kimchi Korean fries. Hot dog. Yeah. Doug's delight. Yeah. Yep. He was like, he wants to do like a nasty fries, like just a late night fries. And oh. I was like, so are you thinking like mapa tofu fries on there? <gasps> oh, wow. And he's just like, I want something with like cheesy sauce on there. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe you could do cheesy sauce on mapa tofu. Oh, I think you, you know? probably yeah. could. Yeah. So James is always up for something. You know, you never know what he's really up to. But yeah, it'll be a fun menu. It'll Have, be a fun menu. Do you talk to Paul at all when you put together the menu? So Paul's the, uh, the Paul, beverage director? Yes, yeah. yes. Love Paul. 
it was funny because I didn't, when James approached me about this, I wasn't sure if his staff had knew about it. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> so, I mean, because he's always coming up with like all these ideas and, you know, it's, it's hard to keep up with him. And so I wasn't sure if his staff knew. So I didn't say anything. And while this was being planned, I didn't say anything to anybody. I just kept it to myself. And I'm like one of those people where, you know, like the Asian culture really teaches you not to say anything or celebrate anything until it actually happens. So like for if you were born, like they don't celebrate your birthday until you're actually one. You never praise your child because back in the days, like mm. the children, <laughs> <Excuse me coughs> sorry, children would die. So Paul made this drink when we were actually um, in visiting. And I told him, I was just like, you have to remember this drink. Because I really like it. <laughs> You'll have to remember it for November. But that's it. No hints, no nothing. I, that's all I told him. I was just like, I need you to remember this drink for November. And he was just like, okay, I will. And then like I saw him when I was staging there a few days ago. I was just like, do you remember that drink? He said, yeah. And I was like, cool. <laughs> it's for everybody. My, my birthday's in like 11 months. So you're welcome to celebrate me today. <laughs> well, it's a little what? early. <coughs> 11 months away. Did we just miss your birthday? So yeah, we just missed your birthday. Last, it was 11 months ago. We had a podcast like the day before Earth, my birthday. It's going to be in 11 months. <laughs> Whatever, Nick. I mean, I would have forgot it on purpose, but I'm just curious if we did anything for it. <sighs> Can I sit somewhere else next time? <laughs> so is the the um, is there, is the ticketed event? It is not a ticketed event. I know that I've we've done dinners before where it was a ticketed event. Uh-huh. It's an a la carte menu. Okay. So the idea is Which like, is typical of... Of Mabel Gray, exactly. So that's why, like, if you look at the menu at Mabel Gray, it's like, okay, these this size is considered appetizer. These are like some mid range, and then this is like the main entree. And then I don't know if you, when you go there, just always be sure to ask for some things that are off the menu because there will be stuff that's off the menu. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, you can ask for things to go. (laughs) Wait a second. Okay, hold on. So Mabel Gray again. Yeah. Right. So there's. So two different things happening right here. Is there? Are you saying that there's things that didn't make the menu that they could add, or you're saying that there's something special you could take home? There's something special you could you could take home. You can order like, hey, is there a special tonight that's not on the menu, and they'll tell you what it is. That's a great tip. Yeah, well, they, they always. Yeah. Have, I mean, their tasting menu. I mean, half of it's not on the menu. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I only get the tasting menu when I go. So. Yeah. And so will there be a tasting menu option or is it going to all be a la carte? No, it no. will be a la carte. Okay. It will be a la carte and the idea is to encourage you to get a bunch of dishes. To basically eat like I do, you know. I'm one person but I order four dishes. Yep. So you can do that too because Mabel Gray has to-go boxes and my food is pretty much designed in a way that it tastes good cold. She's pushing this carryout thing going on. <laughs> carryout to go. Leftovers are great. I don't know anybody that says they don't like leftovers. I'm sorry. You just, I. I, you know what? I don't mind leftovers except for leftover steak because oh. you can never bring steak back to the temp that it was at. Oh, so don't. Just yeah. slice it and put so, it on a salad or something. No. Yeah. I, I, I turn the nachos usually. I'll turn a steak into or nachos. You, yeah. You can, no shame. You can do a Add really cheese. good Vietnamese like beef salad. Yeah. Like, give I'm, it to your pig. That's what I do. I don't What? Just give it to the pig in the backyard. <laughs> Royal Oak allows you to have pigs. I'll move back right away. I'm still trying to convince my neighbors for chickens because I have to get all three of them to agree. Yeah. One's holding out. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. You say you give them farm fresh eggs every day? No, I'm not giving them eggs. I only get five. Oh. 
Maybe won't be able to keep up. Maybe they'll they start, agree. Oh, no. they start I'm going to have – it's going to be like quiche every day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's talk about the progression of going from like this – you you take the Instagram world by storm. I right? don't have to take it by storm. Well, no, I no. Just... But I mean you grew, you grew We're an account. We're celebrating you. You don't have to yeah. celebrate yourself. Yeah. We can do it. Okay. And so you, you build this account up, right? And, and people notice and you get noticed by national mm-hmm. publications, all these types of things. Um, and now, now you're going to head up a kitchen of – Probably the most nationally recognized restaurant that we have in the Metro Detroit area. Mm-hmm. One of the most, not maybe not the most, but one of the most. Um, how, how do you how do you feel about that? How did how did it happen? I was literally like, I didn't tell James this, but I was like totally ready to shit my pants because <laughs> when he asked, I was just like, I just was like, who are you talking to? Like, I. No, 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 no. And I'm just like, okay, cool. He wants to meet. Cool. I can talk to you. Sure. No problem. I mean, coming from California, like where it's a land of like celebrities and whatnot, you get used to dealing with celebrities and, you know, prominent people. And so when given an opportunity, you just kind of are like, you're humbled by it, you know? And so when James approached, I was just kind of like, whoa, this is, this is a big deal. And, Honestly, like, I just, I never meant for any of this to happen. It just happened, you know? Like, moving to Michigan happened because my ex fiance at the time needed a job. And, like, Instagram was a way for me to, you know, as an ER nurse, it's like I work three days a week and I have four days to play. And I was bored. And so I was cooking, you know? I finally had time to cook because... You know, I'm away from my family. We literally have no family in Michigan. So it was a way for me to find things to do on top of my running. It's like, okay, I ran for a more, you know, in the morning. Now it's like, what do I do with the rest of the day? I should probably go volunteer. I should probably get another job, which I did. I got another job at a hospital and I still needed something to do. I'm just one of those people that doesn't sit still. And so I started taking pictures of my food. And if you go way back, and to be honest, I was thinking about this and I, don't know how I started on Instagram. I know that I was just reading food blogs and like someone had posted that they got onto Instagram. And so I was just like, what is this all about? And so I signed up for it and I just started using it as a platform to take pictures and not looking for followers or anything, not looking for anybody. I was just like, I mean, Instagram back then, honestly, I felt was way more organic than it is now. Well, there was, yeah, there was like the black day when they like changed everything. Yeah. And Facebook oh my bought God. it. Yeah. It was right before that. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's a lot of like algorithm stuff yeah. now yeah. that, yeah. It's so, it's, it's supposed to be profitable. It's for algorithms. It's, it's just, it's not organic anymore. And so I will say that, you know, one thing I will pride myself on is that I have over 6,000 photos. And that means for someone that has 6,000 photos, I should have at least 80, 90,000 followers. But I don't because all my followers are organic because I do, I know that you can buy your Instagram followers. You can like create a drone to like photos and in return that person thinks you're liking it. And so that way they'll like your photos. I don't do any of that. You know, it's like I get on my phone when I can in between like, you know, my breaks at work and I like photos. And if you happen to come back to my page and you like it and you follow it, it's completely organic. You know, I comment on what I like and what I don't like. I just don't say anything. You know, I don't believe in that whole like trashing things for no reason. It doesn't hurt anybody or it hurts everybody. It doesn't help you. 
So, I mean, that's how Instagram started for me. And then it became a way for me to make friends. I mean, I started following a bunch of locals here in Detroit, like you, Joe, <laughs> uh, the Hungry Dudes. I mean, I was following you in California. I made your Reese's peanut butter bread. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. I, I that's kid, old school. I, I kid you not. Like I the vegan velvet yeah. cake. I mean, I grew up without an oven, so it was a way for me to learn how to bake. Yeah. And so, because in 1994, the big Northridge earthquake in California, like my parents ripped out an oven, so I didn't have an oven growing up until I moved in college and I had my own place. And then finally, like, I was just like, I want to make banana bread. And so I Googled banana bread and it was around Halloween and I had a bunch of Reese's can like Reese's Pieces candy. And so I like just googled it and pinterest was just starting and yours your recipe on the hungry dudes was pinterested bravo and i baked that yeah recipe. that's from angela, angela that's Watts, impressive who, yeah. yeah yeah it's it's Wattie's. real story yeah. like yeah. true i posted it and like you commented back and i was like or maybe you got to comment i don't know one of you guys commented back you're like whoa and i'm like oh shit <laughs> Is this really happening? My face turning red right now. I'm very excited about that. <laughs> what yes. happened? How did you guys fall so far? Wow. Oh, oh. yeah. Tell me about it, right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> so brisky. True story. True That's story. That's awesome. So, you know, to be on this show right now, it's like, what? <laughs> Holy shit. Um, so then there, there's milk bread. So there's milk bread. Yeah. Milk. So let's, because um, you've done milk bread pop-ups. Mm-hmm. So th- that kind of like, did you like dip your toes into like the whole like, Baking, costing out, and like making profit and stuff like that. So let's talk about the whole milk bread craze and how that, how you even came to selling that. Okay, so milk bread started because so Asian people like soft, fluffy, white things. Oh, Nick. Love by Asian people. Yeah, I'm crying on the inside. I think they call that a (laughs) clapback. We there's not a lot of like the crusty breads. Okay, like the only I think in Vietnamese food the baguette is from and that's borrowed from French you know culture. That's that's their influence was the only way we have like button me sandwich on baguettes. But I'm pretty sure it can. I've done it before. I've done it on milk bread. It tastes just fine, if not better. And a point of reference, real quick, is if you ever been to a Chinese restaurant, you get those soft, sweet rolls. Whatever are those? Is that milk bread? It's, it's not. It's not milk okay. bread. Okay. So those yeah, are but, like almost like Hawaiian rolls. Yeah, kind they're almost of. like Hawaiian yeah. rolls. Yeah. I, so I've that, gone and bought them at the Chinese restaurants and like. 18 packs or whatever. Yeah. Just take it. Oh, they're so So good. that's a point of reference. It might right. be a little bit off, but that's yeah. the soft, spongy white soft. thing. Exactly. <laughs> and the, the reason why they're soft is because it uses a technique called Tang Zong. So the idea of nope, milk bread. Nope, nope. You got to tell what that is. Yep. You can't okay. just glance over okay, it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so Tang Zong is basically if you have a starter in you know, European and American way of making sourdough bread, you use a starter. Our version is basically, it's called um, tangzong in Chinese, which is also starch gelatinization. So you take milk, water, and flour, and you cook it down into a paste. And that paste gets added into a dough the way a starter would. But you're not growing this like you No, like you you're not growing it. Exactly. So there's no yeast. There is yeast. Okay. I mean, the bread, the the main dough still contains yeast, but you're adding this paste in there. Got it. And the idea is that milk softens bread. So there's milk, there's milk powder, there's cream, there's butter, and there's sugar, and 
That's what makes all of milk bread. Does it have to be cow's milk? You know, I've done it with coconut milk. I haven't done it Ooh. with almond milk or soy milk. Or like because, goat or sheep? Yeah. I mean, I'm. Pr- that's all fine. Yeah, that's totally fine. I was wondering it has to be. So this is a not. So people that are eating it, they would have to know that whether or not it's a an animal milk or a right. vegan milk. Well, first of all, by definition alone, it can't be vegan because there is milk powder in it. I got you. Unless you're using soy milk powder, which I don't want to dabble in either. You know, I mean, all these allergies and whatnot, you don't really address them in Vietnam or China. It's like it just you don't like everybody eats, you know, and it's like we don't worry about, oh, we're going to gain too much weight here or there or whatnot. We're just we're eating for partially the sake of eating but our, and and for pleasure so, but anyways, so to get back to it, um, milk bread came about again. Um, so I go home every year to see my mom and my dad in California. And so I'll go home and my mom and I, you know, she started baking because after the renovations for the earthquake, they got an oven. And my mom said, let's make milk bread. She was like, this is a super soft bread. It's, you know, part of our identity. And I was just like, sure, why not? So we followed a recipe And I kid you not, for 14 days that I'm at home for two weeks for Chinese New Year and just staying at home, we made milk bread. And my dad was like, I can't eat any more milk bread. Like, I cannot eat any more milk bread. So we were feeding our dog milk bread. But, like, we just made it and kept making it and kept making it till it was a dough that we were happy with. And so now when I make milk bread, I call it a mother dough, just kind of like how Christina Tosi does with her, her bread dough. And she's from Milk Bar? Yeah, York, she's yes. from Milk Bar. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Will Will Godera's Will Godera's wife? Yeah. 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 That's his wife. Yep. I went there in August. I milk in Milk Bar? It. Oh, Milk Bar, yep. Yeah. Let's go. Cool. I had the crack. What is it? The crack, the crack pie? pie? Yeah. Oh yeah. And some cookies. Yes, At yes. I had the, I'm on a Saturday night. Compost I was like, cookie. What is this? Com- it's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The corn cookie is still my favorite. It's still one of my favorite cookies, as well as like the compost. But anyhow. <laughs> anyway, so made this bread. And so when I came back to Michigan, I was making the bread some more. And then I decided to start playing with it. And this is like my American side. So I started like doing a Chinese scallion bread version with like, you know, scallion and sesame seeds. And then I've done like a matcha version. I've done like a coconut version. I've done an ube version. I've done pandan. I've done ham and cheese. I've done peanut butter and chocolate. I've done everything with this bread. It is so versatile. And the thing is, like, the reason why I love the bread, like, I literally love the bread, is because of the process. It's like challah bread meets... um, Challah. Yeah. Yeah. It's like challah bread with uh, brioche bread with um, Hawaiian bread without all that fat. Mm -hmm. Like, there's in a whole loaf, like a two-pound loaf bread, there is only three tablespoons of butter. And there is one egg in it. Have you ever made a bread pudding with it? Oh, yeah. I've done bread mm. pudding. I've done French toast. I've done – the. it makes the best grilled cheese sandwiches. Mm. It does. It's so versatile. Like, I really do love it. And, like, honestly, like, I had thought about making, like, you know, starting a bakery or something based on this bread. And it's funny because Kindred in South Carolina? Uh, Yes. Yeah, South yep. Carolina. Yep. They have a milk bread version. North Carolina. 
North Carolina. It North is North Carolina. Carolina. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Yeah. So their bread, like their bread service when you sit down, is milk bread. And I love that. It's tremendous. It, it's, it's, uh, it's very good. I have to get out yeah, there. Yeah. The, the, it's a great restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They just opened a second one. It's called like Sailor. It's fish oriented, kind of like our version of Voyager. Oh, okay. Yeah. So anyhow, I started selling the bread. Like, I don't know who who saw, who caught on, but they were just, oh, I was working at Sister Pie and Lisa asked me if I wanted to kind of like a bread pop-up. And so I said, yes. And so I sold it for Thanksgiving and it I, I think I stayed up for 48 hours and I made like 70 loaves of bread and it sold out like in two hours. And I was like, holy shit, you guys like this. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I can do this. You guys like bread. I, I dig it. So, you know, and then I started selling at the farmer's hand. I I was doing it at um David Gilbert's at uh, Murray Marketplace. Um, And then, yeah, I just and then then I started cooking more. I mean, everyone thinks that I'm a baker and I fell into this category of being a baker. I was actually more of a cook. I fell into baking because I didn't have an oven growing up. And because I'm science-based, I my degree is in biology, biochemistry. And then I became a nurse. And I'm science-oriented, that that's why baking seemed normal, because it's very structured. So I fell into that quarter category, but I'm actually, like, I cook. I like to cook food. I also like to bake. I'm, I don't say I'm either or. I I feel like I'm kind of like the jack of all trades, just like an ER nurses. We're the jack of all trades, and we do it well, you know. And so I can do both well. But it's rare to have that skill set. I think I just fucking work hard. <laughs> so, to, but the baking part of it. So you brought something else with you that yeah. looks like it's baked. What is it? Yeah. So this is um. So growing up, my mom made. Uh, my mom loves cream puffs. You know, uh-huh. it's very traditional in Vietnamese. Uh, desserts are cream puffs filled with just you know custard uh pastry cream and so every time i go home to california my mom always goes to this one donut shop that makes these cream puffs filled with the best pastry cream and the best old-fashioned donuts and so this is a cream puff with a um a topping it's a cookie topping and of course, you know, like Chinese people, Asian people love matcha. So it's a matcha cookie topping and inside is a black sesame cream filling. It looks amazing. So it's very sweet, very savory. And that's mm. and that's how Chinese people are. We don't eat just sweet. We like everything very light and delicate. Um, and the idea is that you can eat this and walk away wanting like three more and eating three more and not feeling weighed down. Like, whereas, like, American cakes, like, the frosting is so freaking sweet, you know? And you're like, I had one slice, I'm good, you know? It's very rich. None of us could talk, we're all eating. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I am not a frosting fan, and this is just enough sweet to, like, yeah. This is I'm tremendous. excited about this. Yeah. 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 Um, the, the topping uh, reminds me of... Um, like Dutch pi- crunch bread? Yeah, or or pine- the pineapple buns. The, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the bolo bows. Yes, how, pineapple buns. How do you do that? So it's just basically like cake flour and a little bit of butter, and you roll it Um, you kind of like you would make cookies, uh-huh. Um, and then you stamp it out, and it's actually like a cookie, and you put it on top of the little um, the pat- the pate chaud, and then it bakes, and then it starts to drape the uh, cream puff. 
And so that's why it's crunchy on the outside. So there's so many textures. That's the thing about Asian food. Everything is textures. Crunchy, sweet, you know, soft and delicate and creamy all at the same time. Is this something that's going to be at the pop-up too? Okay. Yeah. It's supposed to be, yeah. Um, it's um I'm working with uh Tina, Christina at uh, Mabel Gray, and so I've given her my desserts and that will be one of the desserts and it will be matcha black sesame. So, so there are to go boxes excited. apparently. Yeah, there are to go us. boxes. You can you can take dessert to go. So the uh the kind of build towards this menu um and the planning that's happening are profits and stuff being accounted for? Are you, do you have parameters to work in on the business side of things? Absolutely. Okay. And and that was the thing. Like, you know, I don't have that restaurant experience. I mean, my only experience has been working at Sister Pie. And so James has been teaching me like, okay, if you obviously have truffles on your menu or if you have ingredients that are going to require or even labor, like making the dumplings, it takes a long time. It's really going to cut into your profits and it might be shared with the customer. It's going to be passed on to the customers. And to me, at the same time, I'm not against passing it along to that customer as long as you as a customer know that you're getting a quality product. I think people think that, you know, Asian food in general, they're expecting cheap food. Asian food doesn't have to be cheap. Mexican food doesn't have to be cheap. You know, we've brought this up a couple of yeah, times. Yeah, I mean, and but that is the stereotype. Yep. But I mean, the menu is going to reflect something that is going to be amenable to both parties, and especially Mabel Gray type uh, clientele. So we have talked about it. Yeah, I mean, there's no truffles on my menu, so you're not going to experience that. There's no like. Lobster, there's nothing that's going to be flown in or anything. I mean, the only thing was really, I guess, like the black sesame paste, which came from Japan. So, why do you guys keep bringing up truffles? Because truffles are expensive. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I know, but I mean, like, because you talked about it for like a half an hour left last oh. episode. <laughs> I, I did. I'm going next week to get I some more truffles. I brought out yeah. my scale and I individually weighed the truffle shavings. <laughs> Whatever. But uh, you, do you cook with truffles a lot? I, you know, I don't because I met Alex from Old World Farms. I think that's what his Instagram is, but from Old World. And um, he supplies truffles to James and James introduced me to him. And I got to hold a $2,000 truffle in my Jesus. hand. And I was like, holy shit. Did you just take a bite out of it? <laughs> no. Oh, oh my goodness. No, have. I just like held it in my hand. I smelled it. And he was just like, do you want some? And he like shaved it into my hand. And I like stood there eating it one by one going like, I need to savor this. Like, so if you drop it, the five second rule applies, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Truffles, five, it's like a five minute five rule. Minute, yeah. yeah, I was going to yeah. say. <laughs> and that's like a golf ball, right? Oh, yeah. It's... Yeah, it was very special. It was like one of those moments where I was like, holy crap. So, I mean, because there's, I've never grown up eating truffles before, you know, like the closest I got to is probably truffle oil fries, you know, which is not acceptable. Not acceptable. It was a conversation just, uh, I think James posted a conversation on Facebook the other day about truffle oil. Never, never acceptable. Yeah. I I think Bourdain was very Vietnamese. Vietnamese. You're about to say Vietnamese again? No, not Vietnamese. <laughs> no, Vietnamese. Vietnamese, yeah. yeah. Uh, against it. Uh, against truffle. Like he's it's called it one of the worst ingredients. Because it's abused. In- it's super abused. Mm-hmm. I like truffle salt. Truffle salt and french fries is awesome. Truffle yeah. salt is actually <laughs> truffles, though. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, that no, truffle oil garbage. is not. It is right. like, it's chemically made. Right. And like, just to give you an example, one of our friends hates truffle fries. She hates it so much 
And then she realized that the reason why she hates it was because they're using truffle oil. So she'll go to one restaurant and not really mind the truffle fries. And then she'll go to another restaurant and hate the truffle fries. And it was because of that, because it's chemically produced. I got some awesome truffle salt from Zingerman's. And it just, no, it just. You get everything great from Zingerman's. Do. They won't steer you wrong. No, no, they won't. They wouldn't be Zingerman's. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't like it too, they'll take it back. Yeah. <laughs> so in the neighborhood of uh, Mabel Gray, did you, I think you saw it, the Zingerman's sardine dinner that's coming up. Oh yeah, at Joe Bar. At I Joe will Bar. not be here, but oh my God, that sounds amazing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's like five courses of sardines, including oh, dessert. Thank you, Sardine Jesus. cookies. Yes. Mm. Yeah. That looked fun. Very healthy fish. Super so, healthy. Sorry. Okay, so I have to ask, all of this kind of progression that's happening, are you looking to open your own restaurant? I, you know, I, I'm not going to say Announce anything. It here. I'm not going to say anything. Because, <laughs> again, it goes back to you that whole it. <laughs> <laughs> it goes back to that whole thing you don't like. You know, we don't celebrate anything until, like, I would be one of those people where if I'm going to open something, it's going to open without any news coverage. Like, I won't tell you. But we're anything. not going to celebrate it. We're just going to. I mean, you know you're going to have a birthday at some point. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, I don't like to tell anybody. I don't like to celebrate my birthday, but like other people did for me just recently. So I was just like, okay, sure. <laughs> but I mean, that I've been doing ER nursing for the past nine years, and I love it. It is very rewarding. There's, Low stress. Oh, God. Yeah. There's like no stress at all. I just leave it at work. I come home and I'm totally fine, not impacted by anything. No, I just, I love it. It's very rewarding when, I mean, I chose that career path early on in my 20s and I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. And then having done it now, it's not that I'm burnt out. I love it still. And if I wanted to really dive in and pursue that as a career, I would fully do it. But I just love cooking so much. I love eating as much as I love cooking. And Nursing has always provided a gateway for me to do that because it pays for it. So, yes, I mean, ultimately, I would love to move more into cooking. And not to knock either profession, but both of them are like over full-time jobs. Like oh, if yeah. you open a restaurant, you're working more than full-time. And, and, yeah. and the thing is, like while I was staging at Mabel Gray, I told James, you know, like I walked in expecting him to eat me alive. It was so funny. He called me out on it. He was just like, "You're walking with the you're you're coming in with some really weird energy right now." And I'm like, "No, I'm not." And I knew that I was because I was like <laughs> terrified. I was walking in as if I was walking in as a new nurse. And nurses eat their own. Like the the culture now not so much, but like they will eat their own, you know, you literally have to learn how to prioritize. You have five patients or eight patients and you have to decide what do I take care of first. And the same thing in the kitchen goes, you know, it's all about learning and anticipating what the other person needs. I mean, in the hospital, I'm doing the same thing. I'm doing 13, 14 hours on my feet. You're doing the same thing in the kitchen. Everything is preparation and cleanliness for your station in your area to make you a better nurse, a better cook, you know, so... All those things are, it's, it's, I tell James, I'm like, it's, it's not very different at all. You know, it was funny because like when I sat, I actually wanted to go to med school and I sat for my MCATs. When you take your MCATs, they do the same thing. They tell you if you're going to sit for med school, you should sit for law school at the same time. So it wasn't uncommon for us to sit for our MCATs and then actually sit and take your LSATs at the same time. So some of us did do that, you know, because it's it's the same route, essentially. It's the same type of commitment and studying. So I did marching band. 
<laughs> I'm an overachiever. I don't know. I just I, I majored in film. <laughs> I watched movies. I got you all beat. General studies. <laughs> at the University wow. of Michigan. <laughs> general studies. That's I'll my degree. It. Bachelor of General Studies. I love it. I can't believe that Michigan offers that. They, I swear absurd. to God. You know, Don't all universities? <laughs> but the thing <laughs> is... To a point. This is Michigan. I, I, the thing is, like, no career path is linear anymore. Like, think about it. All of us have different drives, different passions. We all have our nine-to-five job that pays the bill, and then we're all doing something on the and side. Some of us collect us Legos. Well, but I feel like this is... <laughs> I love Legos. This is very Not Detroit, though. As much as... To have your main, your main job and your side hustle. And yeah. sometimes oh, no. they yeah, ebb and flow. I feel yeah. like that's very Detroit. You know, you're probably right because my parents watch me in California and my siblings even. They're like, what are you doing? You're like, you're doing way too much. And I never understood. Like, I even having lived here for like seven years now, I still don't consider myself like a Detroiter because I feel like I've adopted it as my home. But I do have this side hustle. And it's like I notice Detroiters are like that. And it's like, cool, if that's me, then cool, I can say I'm from Detroit now, yeah. you know? I mean, it was funny because we were traveling abroad, and when people ask me, where are you from? In- instinctually, I always say, I'm from California. And I'm like, wait a minute, but am I really now? You know, I'm, I'm, from, I'm from Detroit now. SoCal or NorCal? SoCal. Right. So just north of L.A., in the valley, literally, the <laughs> valley. I am a valley girl. So went, it's it's real. I went from permanent summers to permanent uh, winters, winters, fall, whatever yeah. this is. That I don't even yeah. know. So the transition from um, ER nurse to cook, mm-hmm. you know, um, how have how has the like culinary community in Detroit like, reacted to your kind of rise? Uh, I hope they've embraced it. I want to say they embraced it. You know, I do. You, do you care? Yeah, I was going to say, what does it mean? You know what? Yeah. Honestly, I don't care. Okay. To be honest, like I know I'm probably going to sound like an asshole to other people because I say I don't care, but I really don't care. At the end of the day, I'm one of those people just like I am at work. I come in, I do my job, I do it fucking great, and I walk out knowing I did it great. I'm not one of those people at work that's like clicky and like I know my coworkers are because like, you know, when you're working with nurses, there's a bunch of you. I'm not like that. I get along with everybody because I do my job. And I would be that same way in this industry, which I don't say I don't actually actually like consider myself part of the industry. If people say that I am, I'm like, oh, thanks. You know, that's a big compliment. But I want to say that everyone's open to what I'm doing. You know, I'm not trying to change anything. I'm just trying to show people what else is out there. And that's a little bit of like, my background plus like, you know, being from California and being now from Michigan and introducing that to Michiganders. Because if they say that Detroiters are five years behind, well, let's not be five years behind, guys. Let me show you something. And I'm not saying like, oh, this is better or anything. Just I'm showing you this. Like, be open. That's it. That's why we hustle so much. Yeah. Because we're well, so behind. And I think there's a good takeaway from that is if you are always doing it to your expectations, you're not going to disappoint yourself. So if you're just doing it to someone else's expectations, either A, you're going to be spinning your wheels and never getting there, mm-hmm. or B, not doing enough, not doing your full potential because you've met their expectations and you're not keep going. So I think if you can set that that goal mm-hmm. and you reach it based on your own means, you're always going to be happy. I love that takeaway. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't like being bored mm-hmm. and I don't like being comfortable. Like my motto is really stupid. It came from Jillian Michaels and it was like just really be... Be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I never am in a situation where I'm comfortable. Like the ER, like 
yes, I've been doing it for nine years and everybody's chest pain and abdominal pain and shortness of breath that comes in. Yes, it is the same thing. And we have protocols in place that we know how to handle. But guess what? Everybody's situation is different. A a two-year-old that comes in with shortness of breath is different from a 65-year-old that comes in with shortness of breath. The background is different. And so I'm just used to not being comfortable. So the same thing goes with cooking. It's like I know the basis for what I want to make. And then I kind of just go from there. It develops from there. It grows from there. So one more time, you'll be at Mabel Gray? Yes, Thanksgiving week. So Thanksgiving Tuesday, week. Wednesday, so Friday, 20, Saturday. 20, 20th, 21st? And then 23rd, 23rd 24th. 24th. Yes. So, any, any turkey, gravy, mashed potatoes on the menu? No. <laughs> In fact, I think I think last year for Thanksgiving, what we did was we went to roast for Thanksgiving. And we had an amazing dinner there. On Thanksgiving? On Thanksgiving Day. And the best part- It's a hotel restaurant. Yeah. 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 It was open. And the thing is, we saw like industry friends there eating as well. And it was was great. We just, we had a blast. It's like, you want Thanksgiving dinner? You can. You want a steak dinner? You can have that too. (laughs) Uh, Hashtag is Mighty at Mabel for that event. Yes, it is. Yeah, that Mighty at Mabel was um, created by by James. And it was just kind of like in August in the summer while I was there cooking by myself. I had, it was, it was really a surreal experience to have the entire restaurant to myself on a Sunday and cook whatever I want. And I, I had it. It was just, it was for someone to never have a restaurant to cook. It was kind of a surreal experience. I, I, I got one quick question. I'm sorry. Uh, did you practice cooking your menu? Uh, I did. I I knew what the menu was going to be, and so I would practice cooking those recipes to see if it was to the okay. way I wanted it. But I mean, um, it goes back to the early question about like knowing the temperatures of the oven and yeah, the stove. So exactly cooking that in the restaurant. I, okay, I did. I mean, I made these dumplings, and I and James would text me throughout the day, and he was just like, "How are you doing? How how's it going right now? Are you okay? Are you comfortable?" And I'm like, "I haven't burnt down the restaurant right now. <laughs> that is the main point right now." Are you like Alone? I'm alone. I'm completely alone. And I don't know where anything is besides what's in front of me. Like I I you know, there's cameras inside the restaurant and I told and him he's watching you. I you know he probably was. <laughs> but I kept telling him the entire time, I'm like, you know what, you should go back and watch your cameras because like I couldn't reach anything. I had to get like pots and pans and I had and he told me where the stool was. So you could probably if you watched it in hyperlapse, you could see me going from this corner, that corner, that corner, that corner with this ladder trying to pull everything down. Like it took me like I came in going I wanted to make three dishes. I made one dish (laughs) because I'd have to clean it. And I was just like and because I would burn it, too. And I'm like, oh, my fucking God. I was like, I'm not cut out for this. <laughs> you guys throw an explicit tag on this, right? In iTunes? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Why? F-bombs. I'm this sorry. Is, I'm is this sorry. the first episode you listened to? <laughs> Randy. Uh, no. Oh, you man. listen on two times, I know. I know. It, doesn't, it just goes through the, yeah, I get it. <laughs> uh, okay. And the Instagram uh, Instagram account is Mighty in it's the Mitten. It's Mighty in the Mitten, like spelled like Mighty Mouse because my name is Mighty and say it fast, it becomes Mighty. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being with us. Well, it's thank been great. You. Uh, best of luck at the pop up at Mabel Gray. Thank you. I hope to see you guys there. I'll be there. Be there. Yeah, I'll definitely be there. Until next time, dine well, friends. Thank you. <laughs>